this hour of programming on W. So, Bob, you went to work today, and I'm a little bit, well, upset because I didn't see you at work, and I was at work, and I had to take up the slack for you, man, and I'd just like to know what was the deal. You done ranting? Pretty much, but... Okay, I'll... How about... Yeah, okay, tell me. I, okay. I hit the clover leaf and started to merge. I know the spot. All of a sudden, I felt the urge. What urge? Took the off-ramp, barren right. I turned the corner and I made the light. Yeah, well, back down Main Street to my drive. Uh-huh. Felt so good to be alive. Okay. I grabbed the phone in the downstairs hall. I found the number and I made the call. Yeah, I told the boss, I'm feeling fine. Plenty of sleep and plenty of time. Well, what do you mean? He didn't get it. I could tell. I had to say I'm calling in well, calling in well. I'm not sick. I ain't broke down. This ain't no trick. No alibis, lies, or story to tell. Feeling fine and I'm calling in well. You want to hear more? Oh, yeah, I'd love to hear what uh, happened today. I took a day to enjoy life. I can dig it. Spend some time with the kids and the wife. Good deal. Called the schoolhouse before the last bell. Said, teacher, my kids are calling in well. Calling in well. I'm not sick. I ain't broke down. This ain't no trick. No alibis, lies, or story to tell. Feeling fine and I'm calling in well. So, uh, what'd you do then? Just out of curiosity. Oh, you want to hear more? Yeah. We took a drive. We ate some lunch. Uh-huh. Went to the park and laughed a bunch. <laughs> Walked in the woods. Enjoyed the smell. There ain't nothing better than calling in well. Calling in well. I'm not sick. I ain't broke down. This ain't no trick. No alibis, lies, or story to tell. Feeling fine and I'm calling in well, calling in well. I'm not sick, I ain't broke down, this ain't no trick. No alibis, lies, or story to tell. Feeling fine and I'm calling in well. It only works if you've, you know, got enough sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I was I was listening to this and saying, you know, oh, I should call in well. Then he said the line about I got enough sleep, and I said, oh, well, I didn't get enough sleep. <laughs> yep. So. Maybe next time. All right. Um, take your antidepressant pills because I have to get a little thing off my chest i've had two people i know die within the last month from substance abuse Mm -hmm. one of them well one of them was a young guy in pomona who he actually um well nobody they haven't released exactly how he died but basically they found him in his car in the lake 
and most people are talking about how he had just been drinking and he sat in his car and he just basically the car rolled down the ramp into the lake. And this was a young guy, um, less than 20, that actually worked on my farm. He would come and do help us buck hay and do things around the farm. And, um, I mean, most people just think he passed out and, you know, the car drove into the lake. But my other friend um, in St. Louis, she actually, she would take a lot of pills. I mean, just whatever pill would, you know, an upper or downer, mostly, you know, prescription pills, whatever was available, she would take it. And everybody knew that she had this problem. And it wasn't a big deal because... You know, she seemed really with it at all times. But what ended up eventually happening is all these different pills built up in her system, and she went into a coma and just died. I mean, well, first she had, like, literally her brain swole up, got a fever, and, um, yeah. Luckily, she did it while she was um, on vacation, so... It was like a final hurrah, mm-hmm. but it's still, and I found out about it about three weeks after it happened, so I didn't actually get to go to the memorial service, so I'm still having problems with it. Most of her cl- you know, close friends did not, I mean, they got to go to the memorial service and stuff, so... Part of this, I'm just letting people know that, um, I don't know. I just needed to tell people that this happened to me in the last month. So. Yeah, I think it's a good reminder to people to to be mindful in their own lives and in the lives of their friends, too, when they see problems like that coming up. I mean, I mean, this, this lady, I mean, she was completely with it. I mean, she never seemed not in control of her life. But everybody knew that she took pills. I mean, just yeah. whatever was available um, on a regular basis. All right, I'm going to play one more song, and then we'll get to the happenings, because this is a very, very, very happening area. Hey, baby, you want dance? You want dance, baby? They got big orange eyes that can barely focus. Some folks call them 17-year locusts, but that's the wrong data. Their name is Cicada, and they're here now, but they won't be here later. They got four wings, and they ain't supposed to fly. They just come out the ground, have sex, and die. But I can dig their rig. I like their style, because they make go quick. But they go with a smile. Check it out. Cicada serenade. Check it out. Cicada serenade. There's cicadas on the sidewalk. Cicadas on the ground. They look like a little tiny Jonestown Now I wouldn't want nothing to go to waste So I was wondering how a cicada might taste Cicada, potato, sounds the same Let them go to waste and be a crying shame So I got a couple hundred of them, took them inside I got a little ketchup and I ate a french fried I ate each one without hesitation The next thing you know I was hallucinating, freaking out Cicada serenade, freaking out Cicada serenade, I was out of my mind My head was in a fog Next thing you know, I was sick as a dog My friends stopped over, they said, let's get high I said, no way, so they said, bye-bye 
Now I don't need no lovely, no reefer, no cocaine Cause I still got them cicadas buzzing round in my brain So eat your cicadas with every snack Cause they can also help you say no to crack Bugs, not drugs Bugs, not drugs Bugs, not drugs, cicada, cicada <laughs> You are listening to Your Community Spirit The show about caring, sharing, and preparing For the changes needed in the world as we know it. Let's bring back the circle again. The circle of friends. The circle of family. The I, circle <laughs> of being. I forgot. What the the yes. circle of being. The, the circle of life. The circle of life. Wake up and be healthy and therefore wealthy to the peace and joy of Mother Earth. Listen yes. to your community spirit. That's us. Every Friday morning from 10 to 10.30. And now... Because this is a happening town. Yep. Happening town, happening people. And you sent your happenings to? To Treesong at Treesong.org. Because he's in charge of anything that's happening in this town. I am a happening guy. So, today, which happens to be Friday, April 6th, Rosetta Stone Bookstore is pleased to announce April's featured artist, Robert Hunter. The opening reception will take place at Rosetta Stone Bookstore from 6 to 8 p.m. on Friday, April 6th. Rosetta Stone Bookstore is located at 214 West Freeman Street in the Campus Shopping Center in Carbondale. The reception will feature an open house with refreshments and is free and open to the public. Mr. Hunter was associated with SIUC for 20 years both as staff and professor. Longtime Carbondale residents may remember him for his artistry with wood, but he has branched out into posters and drawings in the last few years. His editorial cartoons have appeared in the Southern Illinois, but this is the first time his drawings have been on display. Rosetta Stone Bookstore will display Mr. Hunter's art until April 30th. The public is cordially invited to experience the excitement and vitality of Mr. Hunter's poster art. In other happenings, we have Jeff Fox, a professional nature photographer, will show us what goes on at night in the world of owls at the Carbondale Township Hall. For more information, you can call Barb at 529-4824. And it's funny that's going on because I actually just saw um, an owl in the middle of Thompson Woods the other day, just a day or two ago. They're magnificent creatures. Just to let you know, in Native American cultures, if you see an owl, that means someone has died. Because mm. that's a spirit reincarnate. But the Native American people who believe that don't really have that many owls. <laughs> yeah, so probably it's a rare sight. <laughs> Very much so. So, let's see. Actually, it was dark out. for So I saw it was a large bird, and for a moment I thought it might be a big crow. But as soon as it took flight, it's got that distinctive outline so it was only 10 feet away from me here are the classes that are coming up at the neighborhood co-op classes do fill quickly so please sign up as soon as you are interested in to register just see a cashier at the neighborhood co-op the classes are intuitive healing saturday april 14th from 3 p.m to 5 p.m instructor freddie waddell 
Interested in alternative healing practices? In this class, you can learn to listen to your in intuition, use flower essences and gem elixirs, work with crystals, and balance your energy and aura. Also, two sweet and two savory phyllo creations. It's phyllo, right? Um, That's a French I word, so. I think. Saturday, Philo. April 21st, 4 p.m. to 8 p.m., the instructor is... Chef Tess Rogers have lots of fun learning to work with phyllo dough and make delightful sweets and savories. Come and learn all the tricks of the trade that make phyllo dough so easy and impressive. So those are a few classes that the neighborhood co-op are going to have. Yes, and Tess was just in here doing the Garden of the Gods show, so she's plays music and she's a chef. <laughs> well, that's the thing with about Southern Illinois people actually get a chance to do all the different interests they really want to. Yeah. It makes it it makes it that's what I really love about this area. If someone is interested in something, they can follow that. Um if that means, you know, doing nothing, they can pretty much follow that cuz it <laughs> really doesn't cost too much to live around here. Yeah, it's a little cheaper here than it is in uh Chicago or LA or It's just a little more relaxed <laughs> and you can follow your dreams. Yeah. So, and following our dreams, we are with many community happenings. But let's see, what else? Did you have any other community happenings? Ah, we may have a short list this week. I know there's also the coming up on April 14th. There is the oh, what's it called? The the climate change event, the large climate change event that's coming up. The end of the world? <laughs> yes. Hopefully not the end of the world because people are organizing to speak out against climate change. You reminded me. I have a whole pocket of happenings yes. that people have passed out to me in the last couple of days. Actually, this is Africa Week. And if you missed the African Food Fair on Wednesday, well, I'm sorry. I didn't save any of the food for you. But today is the Africa Week Culture Show. At the Student Center Ballroom C and D from six to nine thirty p.m. and that is today. Otherwise, I just keep pulling these papers out. I like it when people email them to me better, but you know, people throw things out. Mm -hmm. As part of Africa Week today at one thirty p.m. in the Student Center Auditorium, Mohammed Yahya. Executive Director Adamanja will be speaking about recent events in Sudan and the effects of genocide. So, let's see. Just keep pulling papers out. What's next on the menu? Genetically modified food, what we all know. This is a community dialogue series, April 9th through the 12th. Monday, April 9th, from 6 to 8 p.m. in Lawson 201 on the SIUC campus. Genetically modified crops. Hype versus hope. Unnatural selection. And the theft of the ark. How genetically engineered throttles seed diversity and farmers. Again, that's Monday, April 9th, from 6 to 8 p.m. in Lawson 201. Oh, yes, and I found my list of those happenings, too. I knew there was one other big series going on next week. All right, hit the next one. Yes, on Tuesday, April 10th, from 6 to 7 p.m., 
Rosetta Stone Bookstore at 214 West Freeman is having a welcome reception and book signing for the best-selling author Jeffrey Smith. And on Wednesday, April 11th from 7 to 9 p.m., the Health Center Auditorium on the university campus, Genetically Modified Food, What Are Our Choices? Panel dialogue featuring SIUC professors David Lightfoot, Plant Soil and Ag Systems, and Ken Steiker's philosophy, along with Jeffrey Smith, author and founding director of the Institute for Responsible Technology. This panel discussion is Genetically Modified Foods, What Are Our Choices? Next Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. at the Health Center Auditorium. All events are free and open to the public. These events are co-sponsored by the Southern Illinois Center for a Sustainable Future, online at SICSF.org, the Neighborhood Co-op, Rosetta Stone Bookstore, the Illinois Humanities Council, and UCM Interface Center. Yes, and that, uh, actually, I'm really interested in that debate because um, I've heard Professor David Lightfoot speak before on the issue, and uh, it's also going to be interesting to see uh, Ken Stikers from the philosophy department since I myself got my degree in philosophy from SIU. And the title of Jeffrey Smith's book that he'll have at Rosetta and that he'll have, be talking about during the uh, event on Wednesday is Seeds of Deception, Exposing Industry and Government Lies About the Safety of the Genetically Engineered Foods You're Eating. So, And it, we are eating it. Yes, it's already in there. It's already... Uh, you can it's it's hard to hide from these foods <laughs> so we may as well know what's in them all right we actually had some happenings in my pocket after all yes so if you would actually like things to make it to the radio show and not me have them pull them out of my pocket <laughs> please email him to yes. treesong cuz he is the in, he's in charge of happenings for this town yes and i checked emails didn't actually have any other than the ones we already had, but my email is treesong at treesong.org. Because people always give me a flyer. They say, here, announce this on the show, announce this on the show. And, you know, if I don't wear the same pants all week long, mm-hmm. you know, they won't. But these were all given to me, and, you know, I transferred them from pants to pants. Yeah. I actually wore two pairs of pants this week. <laughs> so, now the news. Yes. She puts the dud in Dudley. Bush appoints anti-regulation advocate as top regulatory official. Mere days ago, we mentioned that President Bush might give Congress the runabout by making recess appointments of industry-tied folk to top environmental-related positions in the administration. Well, um, that didn't really take that long. Meet Susan Dudley, the newly appointed head of the Office of Information and Regulatory Affairs, who will have occasion to change or block rules proposed by government agencies. As the administration's top regulatory official, it's only logical that she's a conservative academic considered to have anti-regulatory agenda. In the past, Dudley has argued that ground-level ozone is beneficial and that it's more cost-effective for pollution-sensitive people to stay inside on smoggy days than for the government to force polluters to clean up. Hey, (laughs) Dudley was first appointed in July, but her appointment was stalled by a Senate that just wasn't that really into her. 
now appointed by Bush while Congress is on its spring break, she'll serve without confirmation until the 110th Congress adjourns in January 2009. They can do that. <laughs> Apparently. You can just appoint someone and they're not confirmed, and then they just serve until, well, okay. I learned something new. Straight to the source, the Los Angeles Times, the Wall Street Journal, Marketplace, all the 4th of April, 2007. He's sneaky, that little Bush guy. <laughs> so let's see. In other news, look, Ma, Green's on TV. Discovery and Sundance channels plot green programming. Good news. Soon you can be green without leaving your couch. <laughs> I guess that'd make you a green couch potato, wouldn't it? <laughs> Next year, Discovery Communications will start up an around-the-clock channel focused on eco-friendly living. The already existent Discovery Home channel will be rebranded as Discovery Planet Green and beamed into 50 million homes, starting off with a series called 10 Ways to Save the Planet. And it just so happens that your favorite online green magazine, yes, that's Grist Magazine, who sends them, who sends us a lot of their stories, is going to be a partner in Discovery's Green Initiative. The Sundance Channel is also getting into the game under a campaign dubbed The Green. It's widely airing a public service announcement, wherein Robert Redford directs readers to eco tips on the Sundance website. In mid-April, the channel will debut a weekly three-hour green programming block, kicking off with Big Ideas for a Small Planet. And it will announce a promotion soliciting one-minute green living films from viewers, says Discovery CEO David Zasloff, soon to be working out of a carbon-neutral headquarters. I thought you were going to say carbon box. <laughs> carbon <laughs> box. <laughs> yes. The hopefully carbon-neutral headquarters. Quote, Today... Green means responsible. Straight to the source, New York Times, CNN Money, 2nd of April 2007. Now I have a couple really, really, really good news. But I think I should go with the bad news first. Yeah. Because that's just how I am. So, drown and out. Baby seals drown from melting ice as Canada hunt begins. Now, pop an antidepressant before reading this. Canada has reduced its year's quota for its annual harp seal hunt by 20% to a mere 270,000 seals. Not because of pressure from conservationists and animal activists, but because thousands of baby seals have already fallen through melting ice in the Gulf of St. Lawrence and have drowned. Global warming strikes again. In some areas, the pup population mortality rate may be reaching 100% before the hunters even arrive. Quote, These pups can't swim for very long. They need stable ice, says a Canadian Department of Fisheries and Oceans spokesperson. Only two out of about 40 hunting boats set sail into the southern gulf at the start of the hunting season on Monday. Quote, there aren't many seals out there to hunt, says the spokesperson. The baby seals are clubbed or shot, then sold for their prized white fur and sea oil. One Newfoundlander says the locals need the sea hunt to make ends meet. Activists say the hunters often flout the government quota and are demanding that Canada terminate a hunt that they call cruel. 
Straight to the Source, The Washington Post, The Age, Associated Press, the 4th of April, The the Independent, the 2nd of April, 2007. Oh, Canada. Well, I say if you you give the baby seals clubs, then it becomes a sport. (laughs) (laughs) So let's see. In other news... Let's see. Did you see the one about the Supreme Court? Oh, yes, the the greenhouse gas ruling? Yeah. Yes. You want to go with that one? Well, let's do something good now. (laughs) Yes, something more, uh, something that doesn't require antidepressants. (laughs) (laughs) Supreme Court delivers landmark ruling on greenhouse gases. On Monday, the Supreme Court delivered one of the most important environmental decisions in the court's history. The case in question... Massachusetts versus Environmental Protection Agency challenged the agency's failure to regulate vehicle emissions of carbon dioxide under the Clean Air Act. In a 5-4 to four decision, the court ruled that the EPA has the authority to regulate greenhouse gases in automobile emissions. Although the ruling does not force the EPA to regulate auto emissions, continued inaction would almost certainly result in further legal action. The only circumstance in which the agency could sidestep its authority to regulate carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases would be if it could prove that the gases do not contribute to climate change. This ruling will likely have significant national... So so, so that's like guilty until proven innocent. (laughs) Or innocent until proven guilty. That's pretty good. Yeah. That's like exactly opposite of... Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's kind of like, you know, we, we kind of know that these gases have impacts, so unless you prove that they don't, <laughs> yeah. Well, it used to be you had to prove that they did. Yeah, it used to be you had to prove that they did, but I guess they've done so much proving that now now it's assumed. <laughs> we, wow, okay. we have crossed a threshold. <laughs> well, it's not even assumed. It is a law. Yeah, it is now the law. This ruling will likely have significant national impacts, and will strengthen efforts within the Congress to pass federal legislation on climate change. Furthermore, the decision will establish a precedence for additional cases that challenge the agency's failure to regulate carbon dioxide from power plants. So, and yeah. I actually got that directly from directly from the. It's it's a court case, what, uh, mm-hmm. the U.S. Supreme Court versus the state of Massachusetts. Yeah, it's directly from the court case then. Yep. Ah. I mean... Yes. Massachusetts versus EPA. How about this one? Sachs Education. San Francisco approves first-in-the-nation ban on plastic bags. Now, just a, a little background. San Francisco actually passed um, a law... I don't know, three or four years ago that said if you bought a plastic bag, you actually had to pay a couple cents extra for the bag because the city was it was costing them so much to pick up the bag, to take them in the trash. It was actually the number one piece of trash they picked up on the streets. And they said, you know, if you want to use a plastic bag, you can. It's just going to cost you, you know, five cents yeah. if you want a plastic bag. Um, but now they've went a step further and they've actually ban plastic bags. San Francisco is the first U.S. city to pass a ban on non-recyclable plastic bags at major supermarkets and drugstores. Once it's signed into law, the stores will have six months to a year to sack the sacks. 
switching to compostable recyclable ones made from corn or potato starch or reverting to recyclable paper. Quote, we can take steps to make our economy a little more soulful, said lawmaker and ban author Russ Murkamiri. Hopefully other cities and other states will follow suit. Now, similar bans are in place in South Africa, Taiwan, Bangladesh, and Paris. Noting that his city's businesses hand out 180 million mm-hmm. plastic bags a year. That's a lot. In one city, mm-hmm. 180 million plastic bags a year. Merka Miri asked, quote, why did we have to obligate stores to do this? Why didn't they do it voluntarily? It's like waiting for the auto manufacturers to increase gas efficiency. Snap! <laughs> the California Grocers Association raised some half-hearted concerns. It'll cost more. It'll confuse shoppers. Compostable bags suck. But all we hear is that Charlie Brown teacher voice. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Straight to the source, San Francisco Chronicle, Los Angeles Times, the Associated Press, the 27th and 28th of March. Now, I want to get a little kudos for being able to know that pop culture reference, <laughs> the Charlie Brown voice, yeah. teacher voice, that, <laughs> yeah, I actually, wah, wah, yeah, <laughs> that I actually remembered because I had to think, yeah. what, what does that you mean? You know? yeah. But then I remembered, like, someone, I didn't see it on TV, but, like, someone else did that. And I asked, what is that from? <laughs> so, um, now I have one more good news one. Do you want to read the one about the coal permits? Or Let's I see. Can. Oh, yes, the coal permits. This Let is really see. exciting because it's been an issue. We've had speakers come here and talk about mountaintop removal issues. Yeah. Basically, they take the whole mountain off, take the coal out, and while they're doing it, they dump the mountain into the valley. Yeah. So eventually, you know, it'll be perfectly flat, and that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Since, since I'm a superhero geek, I always refer to it as a Lex Luthor scheme. <laughs> it's like... The evil villain Lex Luthor had this plan to blow up half of California, but uh, it's similar to that, but with the mountains of Appalachia. But a federal judge blocked. Yes, federal judge has blocked it. Unseemly behavior, I like that. Yes, I like the title, Unseemly Behavior. (laughs) Federal judge blocks West Virginia coal mining permits. Foes of mountaintop removal mining got a break late last Friday when a federal judge blocked four permits for mines in West Virginia. The permits, issued by the Army Corps of Engineers, had said it was A-OK for Massey Energy's subsidiaries to fill valleys with the dirt and other detritus left over from shearing off mountaintops to get at the coal seams. But U.S. District Judge Robert Chambers said the Corps had not fully weighed the effects of such dumping on headwater streams, 1,200 miles of which were damaged by the practice between 1985 and 2001. But who's counting? But who's counting? So they sent the permits back for further consideration. He also instructed the Corps to stand in a corner and think about what it had done, <laughs> and said any broccoli left on its plate tonight would still be there at breakfast. <laughs> Anti-mining advocates like uh, Joe Lovett hoped the verdict marked a shift. Quote, It's clear that the Corps has been permitting the destruction of southern West Virginia without complying with the most fundamental federal environmental laws. Straight to the source, Associated Press, 24th of March, 2007. Well, this has been another exciting, hopefully, and informative, even more hopefully, 
show of your community spirit. Yes. If you missed it or just want to hear us, you know, talk again, we are online at yourcommunityspirit.org. Tell your friends or just listen yourself because, mm-hmm. you know, we have stuff to say. Yeah. Either way, it'll be fun infotainment for you. <laughs> <laughs> have a good week. We'll see you again next week. Yes. <laughs>